Welcome to Rising from the Ruins, the empowering podcast for Christian women on a journey of healing after abuse and divorce. Join us as we navigate the complexities of rebuilding our lives, restoring our faith, and rediscovering our true selves. Through inspiring stories, expert insights, and biblical guidance, we'll embark on a transformative path towards reclaiming our strength, finding hope, and embracing a future filled with joy, purpose, and renewed spiritual connection. It's time to rise above the ashes and step into a life of healing, empowerment, and divine love. Let's journey together towards a brighter tomorrow. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Rising from the Ruins. Um, I have a guest today, and her name is Shaiteria Golden. Um, she is a transformational life coach, a founder and CEO of, of Women, Woman of Confidence. Yes, Woman of Confidence. Yeah. Woman of Confidence. Um, thank you for coming to the show today. Um, how are you well. doing? Thank you for having me. Thank you. Um, I guess it's best to just start off with you just telling us a little bit of what you do and um, why you do what you do as a as a founder and CEO of okay. Women of Confidence. Well, I actually created that company because I was on a journey to try to find confidence myself. And um, so the Lord eventually started to have me write down my process because I didn't know what that was going to be. I didn't know what woman of confidence would be. Uh, actually, he initially gave me just confidence and it was like with the acronym and he gave me some like steps, you know, to that kind of had me go back through my journey and uh, realize my steps of growing that confidence as a woman. And so when I established woman of confidence, I was like, um, Lord, what am I going to do with this? And I thought it was just going to be something like maybe speaking or maybe even a book. But um, he actually led me back into the coaching space. And so I focus on identity and purpose and women who have experienced a life um event, a major life event or a heart blow. And I help them reestablish their confidence and their foundation in Christ, which is the start and the beginning of our confidence. That is so good. That is so good because, um, um, we will, we will just have you share your story just in a little bit. But one of the things I know that sometimes takes us or gets us into the path that both of us have walked as, um, as survivors and, um, um, as people, as women who eventually got divorced, is the fact that our lack of self-confidence or lack of self-esteem always leads us in a path where we find ourselves taking things that we shouldn't have taken or tolerating things that we shouldn't have tolerated. Um, so I think it would be the, a, a, the right time for you to just um, tell us your own experience and how you eventually navigated this path that God um, has called yeah. you into. So, um, it started with me first. I was, um, let's see, I had moved home with my family. 
Um, I was in the process of a separation, not yet a divorce, but I was in the process of a separation. I separated, separated from my ex-husband and I moved back two hours away with my family and I had to start completely over. And, um, there was a time my sister came, I, I had been burying myself away in my room and just like binge watching Netflix, anything I could do to like, just like to, I guess, distract myself from my reality at that time. And I remember my sister came over, my older sister, she came over one time and she was like, um, you know, I don't recognize you. She was just telling me like, you just don't look like yourself. You don't look like the shy I know. Cause my family calls me shy. She's like, you are not like you're, she was like, you're the most confident person I've ever known. And she was like, just to see you like this broken, to see you this hurt, to see you this different, like unrecognizable, it really caused her pain. And she was like, let me pray with you. But before she prayed with me, she was like, don't you remember who you are? And uh, she was like, don't you know who you are? And I was like, no, I don't know who I am. Like it was at that moment. It was like, I realized I didn't know I had you know, separated from my ex-husband, but I was, I think I was numb in the process. I wasn't really like going into the healing journey, really. I think that was the first moment that I recognized within myself that I had no idea who I was, what I was doing, whether I was coming or I was going. I was, I don't think I was in reality up until that point. And that could have been like maybe four to six months after I moved home. I had just been burying myself in Netflix, like in, in movies and everything that could distract me. Um, for me, it was fantasy. It was like watching other people's love stories and watching other people's life that would take hmm. the, um, I guess, the focus off of my own internal struggles or my own process at that time. And so my sister began to ask me that question and I didn't have an answer. And she prayed with me and, you know, she, you know, she left and she did all the things that people would do when they're trying to encourage you. But I still didn't feel encouraged. Um, from that point on, I was, I kind of sat with that question and I was like, who am I? You know, who, who am I? I don't know. And, um, that was the beginning of my journey with Christ. I I will say that before then I had, I had accepted Christ as my savior, but I didn't really realize that he was the thing that I was going to have to lean on. Like I didn't realize what it meant to really have relationship with him. And so I had just been going through the, the blues and going through the motions of going to church. I was at every prayer service, every worship service, every Sunday, Wednesday, Bible study, every extra auxiliary meeting that they could have because I had this whole, this like monumental hole in my heart that I could not feel. And so I was nonstop listening to YouTube messages and going to church nonstop. But, and that was prior to this moment of, of who am I and realizing that I was so, I was still so empty. And so I started to realize I really don't know who I am. And so I started to lean into God in a different way. And I started to ask him those questions. And so I think it was, it started with me first coming into realization that I didn't have all the answers and being okay that I didn't have the answers. Right. I was just like, I just know my name. 
This is who you, you know, you place me on earth. I know my name. I don't know anything else. So Lord, show me who I am. And so it was, it was at that point that I started to actually become inquisitive about that. Before that, I didn't even know that was a thing. Like, oh, your identity is in Christ. I just, you know, I just thought you went to church. That was what it meant to be a Christian. And so over the course of the next couple of years, I ended up about a year later, got officially divorced and um, the work really began once, once the separation, um, once it was like, you know, the stamp was put on it, there was a whole different process that I had to go through because I didn't realize um, that before that point, I didn't know that all of the things that I was like basing my identity on were things that were external to me. There were things that didn't come from inside of me. They were all like external stimuli. It was external factors. It was if I had a husband, it was if I had the children, if I had money, if I had uh, friendships, if I had status, um, it was all based in, especially if I had love from people. I really had this desire to, you know, this void of love that I was trying to feel. So before, you know, I had that who am I moment, I I didn't even know that that was how I was thinking and how I was processing identity. And so I was basing my identity on, on you know, how my life was flowing at that time. If my, you know, if my ex-husband at that time was treating me well, then I was, I was great. Life was great. I felt good about myself. I felt worth, but if he wasn't, then I was like, Oh, you know, I I must not be worthy. And I was, I had a lot of self-shame and I had a lot of value issues. And after the stamp was put on, like, you know, for my divorce, I had to really sit with that. Like you put all of your hopes into things that could change, things that can uh, leave, things that are not steady, things that don't have to be there, things that are not certain. And I started to dissect the word and ask God, show me, what is, who am I? Who is Shaiteria? And what do you want me to do? Why do I exist? And the best place to find that is in the word. I was... I was so um, empty. I had spent so many years being empty of my real identity that when I did finally start to read the word and hear what he says about me, it was really hard for me to accept that. It was like really hard. Like, it's this simple, like, or it's, I'm, you know, this is what you say. This is so contrary to what I see in my right now circumstances. Like, this can't be what you think about me. I'm mm. totally different. You say I'm righteous. You say I'm holy. You say I'm worthy. You you say all these things. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And I can't even look at myself right now and tell myself I'm beautiful. So how is this true? But it, mm. I, through that process, I was learning how to, to not believe my eyes, to not believe what I could actually see, mm. but to actually start to walk by faith and not by sight. And, and what I mean by that is I was, I had to remain in the place where I only would associate myself with the words that God said, because that's all I had. I had never had anybody to pour into me those words or tell me what my identity was. So when God was saying it to me, when I was reading it in the word and it was being digested, uh, like a good meal, I was becoming full. And I was noticing that I started to 
um, stop toxic behaviors and I started to think of myself differently. It still took me two years to be able, this is after my divorce was final, to be able to look at myself in the mirror and say, I'm beautiful mm. and mean it. And I started to, I started to treat hmm, myself a lot better and started to look at myself like I was worthy. So then my actions started to change and started to move and shift into that. So um, that's how. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's, that's, that's really good. Um, so when, when we had a discussion before this recording, we were talking about the title of um, Too Broken for Words. So the woman who is listening is wondering, um, how did your lack of identity in God get you to that point um, of brokenness that you couldn't, like you, you lack no, you, you had no words to describe it because I was also at a point in my life where the depth of the pain and the despair was in, I had no words to describe them. And I remember that at some point I was sitting, oh no, I, I wrote an email to my counselor and I'm like, this is how I feel. This is how I feel. And I was shocked the first time he said, now you're finding words for how you feel. And I found out that for a long time, going through every experience I had in my marriage, I was going through so much pain and despair. I had no words for it. So how, how would you describe your lack of identity and, and the experience you had in your marriage that got you to that point of brokenness that even your sister couldn't recognize you? Well, I would say that it started before I was married um, to this person. I was with him, but I I knew, you know, I kind of had some things going on with him. Like I, um, I would say it started before marriage, but it didn't come to a head until we were married a couple of years. I realized that um, I become someone totally different than who I said I was and who, what I, I did things and accepted things that were like way past my dignity point, um, things that I would have said, I'm not dealing with that. I'm not going to, you know, yeah, that's accept- unacceptable. I'll leave. I stayed too long. I did I did the begging and the pleading, and I was really trying to fit myself in the box of what someone else needed me to be versus who I was. And so I... Um, parts of myself, whenever you shrink yourself down to just a portion of yourself and you uh, settle with, oh, this, if you say, you know, I recognize I'm not going to get my needs met in this situation. I recognized uh, in my marriage very early that I wasn't going to get my needs met. And so I became a portion of myself. I would say I probably reduced myself down to five, 10% of my needs of of what I who I was as a woman and so as I was I had reduced myself down to these things and it was like I said it started before being married um and it just kind of kept going down I kept going down in percentage I might have started off 100% and went down 80 and then like 60 and like okay I can't want I don't okay, I can't get 60% met. So let me try 40. Let me try 30. And as the time went on, I kept going down in the, in the amount that I was showing up for myself so much so that the other percentage of me was dying. Um, and so I was dead in all the other areas. And so when I got to the point where I realized that 
I wasn't showing up for myself, um, that I that I had settled beyond my own understanding of what I would want in a marriage and what I desired. And I was literally settling for the bread crumbs versus actually having a meal and being full. I was, you know, I, I tra- almost trained myself for this thought process. Like, well, you're just going to get the crumbs, except the crumbs. And, and, and I was like, well, at least you have someone. And and that was my point of like, you're way past your dignity. You've never been the person that would stay and accept this. You're way past the point of valuing yourself. You're way past the point of like having confidence. You're way past that point. I didn't, I'd become somebody who was only a portion of myself to appease somebody else's um, lack of desire to love me. And so I became quiet Hmm. in my, in the last year. Um, even, uh, my ex-husband would say, you don't talk to me, you don't say anything. And I just stopped complaining. I stopped talking. I stopped trying to work it out internally. I just settled. I said, you know, this is all I'm going to get. But I also had this moment with the Lord that when I realized this is all that I was going to get from this person that I said, Lord, there has to be more like this is, this is, if this is all that life has to offer, if this is what marriage is, if this is what love is, I don't even want it. Like this is not what I can imagine you as this great God and didn't even really know him because I wasn't in Christ then, but I knew little stuff about him. And I was like, this can't be, what you're, you said your love, how is it, how are you love? And this is the love that I'm experiencing. This is not what I'm seeing the way you say your love. That's Mm. not what I'm experiencing in what's supposed to be love for me. And so there was this disconnect and I started to ask God in my heart that I would never speak it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't speak it because I didn't have any, I didn't have the strength to say it. I didn't have the strength to pray, to like really heavily go in and go. I didn't know anything about that. I I really was at the beginning stages of my walk with Christ. So all I knew was go to church. Hope I, I seen, that's all I knew, go to church and you're supposed to get something there. But in my heart, I would be crying out even at church, even when I would be in worship, I would just cry. I wouldn't even speak. I would just cry. I would Hmm. just weep. And the words would not come out. And um, even in the last Hmm. sessions of therapy, because we were in therapy, um, I I just got to the point where I allowed them to make me look like the worst person in the world. I just didn't have the fight in me. And so what I mean by broken is that I was a fraction of myself. And I allowed the other pieces of myself, like my hopes and my dreams and my desires, my expectations, my standards, my like morals, that. all of that to die and, and, and was really living in malnutrition and had, had record. Mm, I know those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know those feelings, like everything you're saying, I resonate with every single part of it because I also had those moments where I just knew this was breadcrumbs, but this is all I've got. And coming from now, I um, started to seek God for myself as a teenager, probably between age 12 and 14. And so God has been all I've known all my life. And so for me, Divorce was never something in my mind that I ever considered. And so 
I am making peace with the fact that this is all I'm going to get. This is the breadcrumbs. Meanwhile, I'm bending over backwards to make his life comfortable, to have peace around me. Like it was really terrible. So I, I understand perfectly when you talk about how just a portion of you is showing up for yourself and the rest of you like is completely dead. I remembered describing myself to somebody at some point as a walking dead woman. Um, what would you say you learned about yourself in that process? Because um, one of the things I found out as I went through my own experience was that I was a people pleaser. I was nurturing. And now nurturing is not necessarily a bad thing um, with the right people. People pleasing is almost always a bad thing because people will always count on that and just use you. I got to a point, it felt as if, you know, when you have straw inside a cup and you actually suck it and then it's like making that empty noise. Mm. That was how I felt. And so what would you say you learned about yourself in this process while you're dealing with all the things you're dealing with and wrestling with God? I also had moments when I couldn't pray. And all I did was write, was write down my words. I still have them in my phone. And then I'll be like, God, what are you doing? Where am I? Why am I in this space? Um, so what would you say you learned about yourself? And, and how did God show you yourself that brought you to that point? Because we're exploring the depths of our despair to the heights of the achievements that God has brought us through. So what would you say you learned about yourself and what did God show you that sets you on the path okay. of healing? I would say that I didn't, I don't think I learned anything while I was in it. I think it took for while. I mean, I did, but it didn't, I didn't realize what I'd learned until Sick. hindsight, right? After I was out of it, I could reflect and see that I was a woman really still the little girl that was wanting love that did not have um, an example of pure love of healthy love, healthy relationships. And so I learned that because I didn't have this pattern um, patterned for me, I was, I became the person um, in spite of all of the dysfunction that I grew up in I became the person that was on a mission to create that life for myself, but I was trying to create that life for myself without God first. And so that's why all the relationships, even up to my ex-husband relationship was all me trying to do the most for them. And if they love me, if I love them enough, they'll finally love me. If I, if I be the best girlfriend, if I be the best, they'll choose me because part of me had that, just that inner knowing that there was something bigger that that there was something that I needed in the in the world but I didn't know how to articulate it really hmm. and so I didn't learn it while I was journeying through it at the, the process of the divorce for me I learned it hindsight after I went through a process of divorce care and a lot of time on the altar, a lot of time in my private space with God I realized that I was still moving from, the emotional um, level of that that little girl that was searching for someone to love her and to choose her and to stay. I wanted someone to stay. 
Um, and so, and I, and I learned, I did learn while I was, while I was married that I had an abandonment issue. We learned that in counseling that I had, that was my core fear was abandonment. And, but I didn't know there, there wasn't a heavy elaboration on that. So I still didn't know to what degree. And I also didn't know the symptoms and how it shows up in my life other ways, how it, how it shows up in my interaction with people aside from him, maybe threatening to leave or something or somebody threatening to leave my life. I didn't know how else that was driving me. And that um, the fact that I didn't have my uh, biological father and that I didn't have a good relationship with my stepfather um, caused me to feel like people didn't show up for me. And so I would over show up for people and I'm, I'm going to show up. And it wasn't for them. It wasn't like trying to please them. It was trying to get something. And, and, and it actually in return, I needed something, even though it appeared to be so, so, um, pure because I was doing it from the place that I knew it was pure coming from what I knew. Right. But it was not pure because love does Mm -hmm. not expect anything in return. I didn't know that I was doing these things because I was hoping to create a space to foster love. But I, but in turn, I actually, Mm. uh, created, um, unhealthy dynamics and toxic relationships because I had an, a, I had an emotional attachment. Uh, that was the way I would, uh, um, uh, anxious attachment style. So I would, you know, over attach and then I would get involved with people who had an avoidant attachment style, which means they, they, they're the person that runs and I, and so you're chasing them. So I spent my life Mm -hmm. chasing love, chasing people. It wasn't just romantic though. It was like Mm. in friendships, I would overdo in, Mm. in, in romantic relationships. I would overdo in school. I would overdo like performance and just like the uh, acceptance. I really wanted to be chosen and to be recognized as valuable. Mm. And I realized that um, in hindsight, mm-hmm. my self-worth, um, I had, like I said, I completely based it on what other people would tell me about myself because I, I didn't mm-hmm. have that growing up. I didn't have that. And I, I didn't realize that I didn't have that because my mom would tell me you're pretty, but telling me I'm pretty versus telling me who I am is different. You know, telling me you're beautiful. Right. Okay. Well, what about me is beautiful. Very so Very everything external. I thought, like I said, mm-hmm. external. That's the perfect way to put it. It was just so external that I thought that that had to come from external. And so you're talking about dissecting the inner man and figure out who you are, what makes the essence of you. That was foreign to me. That that has been the process for mm. the last seven years since 2016. I have been on that journey mm. dissecting it, and I had I came into. Uh, it came to a head for me to where there was just this moment of acceptance of his love probably about three years ago, Mm. about three years ago, I had this moment with the Mm. Lord and I was like, you really love me. Like you really love me. Like, and it was like, I went from, I always tell people, I tell my, my clients that you go from a, a hearing to believing to, well, a hearing to you, yeah, yeah, you hear, from your head receive, and then you believe, and then you know. And so I went through that yeah. process of hearing mm. he loves me, receiving he loves me, believing he loves mm. me. Then actually, now I operate from the place of knowing he loves me. And so that's what... That's so good. That's what filled that yeah, teaching. So that and, and since I discovered that, 
God caused me to reflect on it last year and into the beginning of this year to really say, how can I help others do this same thing? Yeah, that's the next thing I was going to, I was going to ask because um, it's it's so good you're sharing these things because I'm coming from a people pleasing personality, a nurturing personality who wants to also overgive, and interestingly, like I was also doing it from a place of purity, even though I didn't understand um, that I was also doing it in search of love. But I would also overgive. I would overextend myself. If I say no, I will beat myself up for saying no. Um, so I said yes, even when I wanted to say no and just went in and in. And, and I saw how that didn't serve me in marriage. It didn't serve me because now I'm married to somebody who just takes, 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 takes and doesn't think about giving. And now I'm emptying out. And he doesn't even realize I'm emptying out. Like it was really terrible. And so some women might just be listening to you now and be wondering, oh, I can resonate with something you said or, or I'm just exactly like you. So um, what was your healing journey like? How did you now get from that point of being this person who sought love regardless of how she got in? to the person who came to accept the love of Christ and now is able to flourish and actually um, do great well, things. Um, so when I, when I separated from my ex-husband, I believe that was the start. Right. Um, and then I had that, who I am, who am I moment. Right. But what I've learned is, is like my process didn't go. It wasn't linear. Like it wasn't just straight. It wasn't continuously up. I had a lot of moments where I was felt like I was going through a roller coaster. So that's really normal. And I thought I'm like, I must be a mess because I'm like, I must be just God's worst or something because I'm, I'm up and then I'm down and I'm at high and I'm going good. I'm coasting. And then I drop down, something happens and it hits my spirit and it, and it takes me under for a little bit. Um, so my, my journey was I separated from my ex-husband and I decided one of the things I did was I was like, I'm not divorced yet. So I'm not going to introduce anybody into my space. I'm not going to attach to anybody while I am still going through this process. And so I took three years, three and a half years where I didn't, I didn't date. I didn't talk to another man. I'm not talking about, um, I wasn't on dating apps. I did not entertain anybody from the time that we separated in 2016 till, uh, two, two and a half, well, three and a half years later, I did not entertain men. I knew that I was so broken that I didn't, I didn't have one, any energy to give them. And I definitely didn't want to include anybody into the space and and get the same person over and over um, or do the same thing again. I knew mm-hmm. that I didn't know enough about me to include somebody else in my space. So it started with me going into this season of isolation, not away from the world, but away from men. Like I had to get away from the, the space uh, of men because that's where I'm, that was the driver. That was the main source of like, um, acceptance and, you know, love that I was shooting for all this time. And I was, uh, you know, trying to get, so I, I, you know, whisked myself away and as hard as it could have been, cause I had people, as soon as they found out I was going through that, they were like, Oh, you know, you're not married anymore. Or, you know, as soon as they found, they were, 
they were, I thought you were married. As soon as they found out I wasn't married, they started to try to talk to me. And I was just like, no, I can't. I just can't. And so I took that time for myself and I gave myself the room and space to heal because, and I sat in it. And so I, like when my sister said, who are you? And I'm like, I don't know. I had to sit in that pain. I didn't try to mask it from that point on. I stopped watching TV as much. I still watch TV, but I recognize it's like the Lord started showing me, you are trying to hide from your pain. You are trying to um, uh, distract yourself from, you know, what's going on in your life. So you have to be in reality. So I made a conscious decision and I'm, I've been this way most of my life. My sister always tells me, you're such a re- realist. Like you're always like, this is what it is. This is what I'm going through. And you just shoot it straight. So I knew you were, and when you were in that space, you were not even like able to do anything. You were just like in a daze. And I knew that, that you weren't you. And so mm. I, I, I decided to isolate from the men. And then I sat in the pain as hard as it was. And I mean, watching my ex move on with multiple different women and crying, like just, you know, and, and trying to parade it around in front of me and just pouring it out, going to divorce care, a whole um, four or five month program of every week showing up, crying and telling my story and, and, and dissecting my part, only what I can handle. I had to disassociate his part because though we didn't have, we didn't make it. We both weren't, we both weren't coming from a healed place. So it's like, you can't expect now in hindsight, I look back, I can't expect for me to have done anything more than what I knew. And I can't expect him to have done anything more than what he knew because he didn't know, you know? And so I don't fault him for how our relationship went. I take responsibility for what I was able to do and what my part is, because if I grow, he doesn't feel the effect of that. I feel the effect of me growing. And so I had to learn to dissociate his pro- his pro- uh, his process and what he did and the the mistakes and all the different experiences I had with only seeing what I was doing in it and how it was unhealthy on my end and on my part. Even so much so in divorce care, they have a week where you have to do reconciliation and you have to go to your spouse, your ex-spouse, if they're within reach, and you have to apologize for all the things that you have now discovered that you did. And I did that. And, you know, I, and and I, I had to do that. And he was like, what? Um, but that was a step in my healing. I had to reconcile. I made mistakes too. You were expecting him to be your sun, moon, and stars. He couldn't do that. That's God's job, you know? And so realizing that I had yeah. to, I, I didn't ha- I had to stop blaming him and take ownership of, okay, that happened to me. Now what, what am I going to do about it? Because we can't always um, mm. choose the hands that we're dealt in life. Right. But we can play them the way we want to. Mm, right. And so I learned like, a, mm-hmm. you know, I learned That's that I was good. like, you know, I could be like, yeah. he did this to me, he, you know, you know, or whatever he contributed more or whatever I can say, but, or I could come from the place of what am I going to do with what I know now? And so I decided to, yeah, yeah I decided to just be like, you know, what am I going to do with what I do now? What I, what I know now. And so I realized mm. I was expecting him to be God and he could not be God to me. And so I realized mm. where I had misplaced yeah. people 
at once I was able to like, you're isolated and I'm sitting in the pain and I'm taking his, his responsibility off the table and sitting in my own accountability. Then I had to fight, face God and see, and he began to show me how many times I placed people up here. I've placed people on the throne of my mm, heart. That's so good. That's and then so when good. they when they uh, failed yeah. or when they you know messed up, I'm devastated. Well, I placed them there. Now I didn't know, yeah, because I wasn't so solid in my faith, right? So I didn't know that. But still, yeah. once you know, you know, you know. Mm. It's like once you know, now what are you going to do with it? Yeah. And so that's really what I did. I yeah. sat in the pain. I took his mm. responsibility off the table. Mm. I took the people that I had put on the pedestal, everybody, because after my divorce, I didn't just heal from that. God took me through a journey of healing from every relationship prior to that and showed me what I did wrong and how mm. I how these people were expected mm. to do things that there was no way that they could do or fulfill in me. So Yeah, that is so good. That is so good. Um, you you made some points, but before I um, kind of touch on those points, um, there are some people here who who have gone through. Um, so so the information we're given here, um, I'm trusting that anybody who is listening is going to lean into God and lean into the Holy Spirit because it's not going to be the right. same for everybody. I didn't do any reconciliation because my marriage was extremely abusive. And I had to even say, um, ask the, um, the court to, to ask him not to communicate with me in any way. So I do not communicate with him. And so everybody's journey is going to be different. For some of you, it might be that. Now, I'm not sitting here and acting all perfect. And, um, and like I didn't have some some decisions or things I didn't do right. But um, everybody's journey is going to be different. Some of us will have to do some reconciliations. But if you were in a very extremely abusive relationship, please be careful with communication. Be careful with reconciliation or whatever you do. But um, that said, um, um, Shaitera touched on sitting in the pain. A lot of people come out of divorce. I've always heard things like whole face or what they call it, where people become very, women become very hypersexual and they just go around. And this is not saying it to be judgmental in any way. But what I'm trying to bring out here is this, if we do not sit in the pain and process the pain and heal from it, we will keep attracting the same kind of people. We'll keep picking yeah. the same kind of people and then we'll keep having to go through the same cycle over and over again. Somebody said if we fail at life's test, then we end up having to repeat it. It's just like when you're in school and you fail a test, then you find yourself yeah. having to take the test again. And so we want to be in that space where we actually sit in our pain yeah. and feel it and process it um, and, and not self-medicate on anything. Like I also went through a, a period where I just watched crime videos and I set out with the intention to hate men. But that was from a place of brokenness and, um, and I identified with that. 
And so as I began to go through, because I wanted to be able to say, oh yeah, he killed his wife. That's the way men are. Or he did this. That's the way men are. But as I got to that place of healing, I knew I couldn't paint all men with the same brush. Um, And so it comes from a place of sitting in our pain and processing it and actually allowing God to do his work through us and through the pain we get to deal with. And you also mentioned something about us not um, choosing the hand. Life deals us, but yet we are able to choose what we do with our experiences. And um, and my greatest hope with this podcast and bringing um, amazing women like Shaiteria on, on this show is to actually show other people what is possible. She also mentioned something really important about taking the other person's responsibility off of the table and deal with what you can deal with. And that is so true. Our journeys are going to be exactly, will be different but some of all of these things would apply to everybody. And so I guess um, my next question for you, Shaiteria, would be that I know you've mentioned how God was with you, um, how you felt God leading you through all of this. But somebody might be listening and be like, I don't feel God. I don't see God. I don't hear God. Um, through my own experience, I lost my physical hearing. And with the loss of my physical hearing, I lost my spiritual hearing. Now, I may not be able to explain it, but I know how that felt. That at some point I could say these, there were still moments and pockets here and there where I could say, I feel this is what God is saying to me. But for the most part, while I was dealing with all the pain, sometimes all I could do was write. And it was all questions. And God is able to handle our lamentations and our questions and all that. But what would you say to the woman who is listening to you and she's saying, okay, my experience is different. I don't see God. I don't hear him. I don't feel him. What would you say to encourage that? Well, I would say that everybody does have a way that God speaks to you. And I think I would ask that woman, how do you, how much effort have you put into discovering and really trying to figure out how he does speak to you. Because if you're just expecting an audio voice or, you know, an audible voice or this, like, you know, this impression, mm-hmm. or if you're expecting it to come by some, by way of someone else, then you can be mistaken and he could be speaking all along. I am a heavy dreamer. I dream every night without fail. Couple dreams a night. I could take a nap, take a dream, you know, and have a dream. That's how much of a dreamer I am. And sometimes the Lord can speak to you in a different way. And even so much so that even when one area, just like ours with our senses, if one sense is cut off, the other ones will get stronger. So if you just like when you were um, lost your hearing, there are other ways that the Lord could speak to you by even giving you an impression so yeah like it could be it could be songs it can be impressions Mm -hmm. it can be seeing visions and seeing different things repetitively and it could be somebody sending you a message and it'd be the exact thing that you need in that moment they don't know your situation but it can be through social media where you're literally on your timeline and somebody has a testimony or a scripture or a book that is directly related to what you're experiencing in that moment. I think that sometimes when we say we don't hear from God is because we put God in the box of, I want to hear you this way. And if you don't speak to me this way, then you're not speaking. But that is so not true. He's always speaking. He is always speaking. And I would also say 
have you quieted yourself enough to actually wait and hear him? Because a lot of times we don't give space for him. We pray and we say, you know, I want this. I need this. Lord, you know, help me. I'm so devastated. I'm so miserable. I'm so this, so that, or I have all these things that's going on with me and I'm so broken. I I don't know what to do with this pain. It hurts so bad. I don't know what to do, but then we close up and we don't wait. One of the things I've learned in, as I've matured as a believer is the wait is, is, is sometimes it doesn't happen right then. Sometimes I'll wait for an hour in silence and just fall asleep even, and nothing is said. But then down, maybe I'll be at work and I start to hear the voice. I start to feel this impression or I I come into the answer to which for the thing that I was praying for or the thing that I was trying to ask or question God mm. about or get clarity about. And so like giving space for him to show up because making room for him in your life is not just you creating a routine. It is you allowing space for him to speak and do and move the way he wants to move. And that might not look the way uh, you're used to. So maybe studying the different ways that God may speak and creating that space for him to do something new, you know? So. Mm. Yeah, that's a good. Um, and I guess what, um, if I'm hearing you correctly, um, what you're saying is leaning into him. So um, I used to be able to hear not, not like, audible voice like I'm talking to you but there was a sense of my ability to hear God that was lost at the point where I lost my physical hearing and so I had to start finding other ways like we mentioned music or maybe a message in church or somebody just walks up to you and say something or um, your timeline and all that so and what we're trying to say in essence is just to encourage everybody to um, if you if you feel like you lost a side of your ability to hear God through the pain, because I know that it can be so painful that you just want out, you just want relief. And so it might just cloud everything else. So just be open and begin to lean into other ways that you could perceive what God is saying to you. And like Shaitaria said, he always speaks. We just yes. don't always hear it. Um, so um, what... What do you do in your space as a as a CEO? I know you touched on it at the beginning um, with the woman of confidence. What do you do? Like if my listeners want to check out what you do, um, tell us what you do and how these listeners can connect with you. Well, I do a couple of things. I do one-on-one coaching for some, and I'm in the process of building out a group coaching program, which... Will it's called Confidence Academy. So it is um, it is geared towards trying to help women show up more confidently in the world and rebuild their identity in Christ after heartbreak, after a major life event has happened. And so um, the Lord gave me a acronym for confidence and he gave me a, a, a process, a framework that I use to in, in everything that I'm doing and I'm using in my everyday life as well to kind of navigate my season 
um, and to be able to continuously show up confidently myself. So, um, it, you know, we already know how to spell confidence, but the C is for connection. I connect, I make sure that my connection with God is first. And then I trickle that down to the connection with myself being in tune with my morals and my values and what I need as a person. And then the other people, other people get the overflow of that connection, the connection with other people and then communities and we can go on with the connections. And then I have, oh, that I remind myself that I need to be optimistic. I need to think the best versus the worst. You know, it's easy for us to be pessimistic and think things are going to go badly, but it takes a lot of effort and conscious uh, managing of your thinking to uh, be optimistic, even in the midst of a storm. And so I I evaluate myself daily to see how I'm thinking. Am I thinking positively? Um, because of thoughts become words, words become actions, you know? And then I go into in, which is naming and it's the name and narrative is, am I, is my narrative coming from a space of victoriousness or of victory of overcoming of a conqueror? Or is my language coming the way I speak? And the way I name my situation, is it coming from a place of defeat? So I, I train my language to make sure that I can speak um, well and of myself and of others. I, I have fitness for the F, which is spiritual, emotional, mental, um, uh, spiritual, physical, emotional, mental, and financial, because these all play a part in how I navigate life. And so, and then I make sure that I'm moving with intention in everything I do. That means I simply have a plan. The Lord says, our people perish for a lack of vision. And he also tells us to write the vision and make it plain. So I write out everything. I plan everything and I have, I set aim. Intention typically is really just means to plan or to set aim for. And so I set aim for uh, all areas of my life, my fitness, my nutrition, my financial, my business, all the different things, my parenting, my relationships, all of that. And then I, I make sure that I am disciplined. I show up for myself. I choose the, the hard now for the easier later. It's the hard now, the things I don't want to do because I want to get to the things I do want to experience in my life. And then I, um, I deal with aesthetics. I make sure that I'm showing up the way I look. Like when I show up, I want to make sure I am proud of who I present myself to be and that I'm not dressing the way I feel because your feelings cannot be trusted. But I dress the way that I want to, what the way I want to be my ideal self. So I, so I kind of work my way backwards from the ideal self. How would that person show up? How would that person look? How would that person take care of themselves? The aesthetics is not just the dressing, but it's your maintenance. It's your self-care. It's the way it's your etiquette and how you present yourself, you know, having uh, a sense of style within yourself and really caring about how you present yourself at your best. Um, then I go into nourishment. I make sure this is my five cents, five, five senses. This is what I intake. I make sure that I am intaking the best of the best, the things that are going to pour into me and not suck me dry. Right. I, I celebrate others because if I celebrate others, I celebrate myself and I cannot, if I can't celebrate others in their wins, then there's probably a little bit of jealousy, envy or something I'm feeling in that. And so 
um, I check myself to make sure that I'm celebrating others as much as possible because if God can do it for them, guess what? He can do it for you too. And lastly, I, Mm-hmm. I am a lover of knowledge. I educate myself all the time. I stay in coaching programs, mentorships, um, reading books, pot, listening to podcasts, all these different things to help develop me, you know, in the area of education. And that's what, that's how I, that's my program really. I, all of it, everything I do stems from that. The coaching is all walking you through that. Um, and I notice that when I'm dealing with clients, it's always going back to, God, starting with that first thing, the C, connection with God. And they kind of get irritated mm-hmm. a lot of times because they're like, oh, I think I, you know, it's like you think I know it already, but it's like they, if there's a frustration, like I, mm. this blueprint does not work without God. Just let everybody know. And then I'm yeah. in the, I'm also creating journals mm. to help people do this um, on their own. Like if they want to self-seek and kind of mm. discover it, I'm creating journals for identity and for purpose. And mm. those will be coming out soon. That is so good. Um, like you said, everything stems from God. Um, there is really nothing we can do without him. Because in our depths of despair, um, for me, I just know that if God wasn't there down there with me, I probably won't be here telling my story. And so it's been a wonderful time with you, Shaiteria. Like we could talk all day. And you know, we yes. we talk all day when we, we really want to talk. So this is a fantastic um, um, session. And I love um, what you're doing with the confidence thing. Like it's it's fantastic. As I'm listening to you, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's something really great. That it's like, it's like the whole... Yeah the whole woman, the whole package of the woman, the way God um, intended for us to be. And then um, life challenges come and we just fall by the wayside. But I feel that this is the season where God is actually calling us to step into who he created us to be. And so that's why I'm really, really passionate about women who've been through abuse, who've been through divorce, because I I hear a lot of people and it's just bitterness and it's just sadness and it's just way down there, but I want us to rise. And I'm so um, grateful for the fact that my the title of my podcast changed and I'm feeling more and more that rising from the ruins actually feels like a more fit topic, if that makes sense, um, title, if that makes sense. And so um, I'm grateful to have you talk to these women. And I hope that anybody who listened to you today will be able to pick one thing that would help them on the journey to becoming the woman that God intended for them to be. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you for, for being having here me. Today. Let's give it up. Yeah, let's give it up for Shaiteria. And I hope to see you guys in the next episode. God bless you. Bye now. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. We hope that the conversations and insights shared have been valuable to you. However, we want to emphasize that the information provided in this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. It's not intended to be a substitute for professional, medical, and legal advice. We understand that navigating divorce and healing from abuse can be challenging, and we're here to support you on your journey. We want you to know that you're seen, heard, and loved.
Be sure to subscribe as new episodes of Rising from the Ruins will be released every Wednesday morning. So mark your calendars and join us for more empowering discussions and practical tips. Also, if you enjoyed the episodes, I'd love to ask you to leave review on Apple Podcasts. Remember, all the resources, references, and additional information covered in each episode can be found in the show notes. If you ever need further assistance or have specific questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. We're here to help you in any way we can. You're not alone on this path of healing and transformation. If no one has told you, let me be the one to say it. I hear you. I see you. And I validate your experience. Thank you again for being a part of our community. Take care and remember that your well-being matters. We look forward to connecting with you in our next episode. God bless you. Bye now.